Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Everyone loves a mystery, it seems, under the right conditions. It can be rather thrilling to be intrigued, to be left to figure things out, to wrestle with little tidbits of evidence and attempt to form logical, well-reasoned conclusions. We often don't like mysteries, however, when they might frighten or threaten us. Some things we like to know with certainty. For example, we want to be sure that what we put into the tank of our cars or into our bodies are pure and suitable for that purpose. We want to know that the aircraft will hold together until we land at the place where we intend to go. We want the doctor to tell us exactly what the situation is regarding our health. The more important the issue, the more we want certainty, and the less we want mystery. Yet some things will always baffle us, especially the things of God. No matter how much we learn about His creation and about ourselves, there are always more mysterious questions to surface and to remain. Why has God done what He has done in the manner in which He has done it and in the time frame He has chosen to do it? Sometimes He tells us. Sometimes He does not. The more that we read and hear and study God's Word, the more we begin to understand the mystery of Scripture revealed. Scripture holds many mysteries for us that are always not easily and always not completely humanly understood. It is only by faith that we can come to believe in God's mysteries as they are revealed in His Holy Word. But who fully knows the mind of God? Who can understand His mysterious ways? In the book of Colossians, for example, which a part of comprised our epistle lesson this day, we are told that Christ lives in us. In other places, we are told that the Holy Spirit also dwells in us. And yet, in his letter to the church at Rome, St. Paul presents another truth. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil that I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. This too is a mystery, that sin is alive and well within us. But now Christ is also alive and well within us and is the Holy Spirit. And so we ponder these mysteries of God. Here in the book of Colossians, Paul is addressing a new generation of converts, a new nation of believers, that is, Gentiles. They had been strangers to God. Not just strangers, in fact, but just like us, they had been enemies of God. Their evil thoughts separated them from the truth. 
As unbelievers, these Gentiles lived opposed to God's ways and opposed to God's Word. No real surprise or mystery there, it seems. Anyone who pays attention to what Scripture says and is an honest observer of both human behavior in general and in their own lives has to admit that we do, in fact, oppose God left and right every hour of every day. However, there's an important, what I like to call a John Madden moment as we move into verse 22, a hey, wait a minute sort of shift. A shift that is more powerful and more cataclysmic than any earthquake. But now God has changed everything for these Gentiles. They were forgiven. There were no charges left against them on their record. They were seen as holy and blameless in God's sight. This was the gospel message that these Gentiles had heard and now believed through the preaching of Paul and the preaching of others who also serve this Colossian congregation. Paul was a servant of Christ to preach this gospel message in all of its truth and purity. It had been unknown to the Gentiles for generations, but now they had heard it, and many of them, by the grace of God alone, had come to believe it. It was a mystery, as was something else that Paul told them. And that other mystery is this. Christ lived in them. These Gentiles now belong to the Lord. We're all born estranged from God. We're all born as the very enemies of God. The Reformed churches of the Calvinistic tradition call this the total depravity of mankind. Other Christians, including Lutherans, call it original sin. We also sometimes describe the concupiscence that we have, that is the active desire to do just the opposite from what God would have us do. And since the first sin of Adam and Eve, our lives are tainted with the same infection and infusion of evil. And with such a corrupted nature, we have to ask this question. Why are we saved? Who would really want to reach out and save their enemy? That is another marvelous mystery of Scripture. One that is declared to us in God's holy gospel. Paul wrote this to another Christian congregation, this time in Ephesus. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. We were dead in sin. But now by grace we are made alive in Christ, and Christ lives in us. It is indeed a divine mystery. And there's even more to our faith than just having Christ alive in us. Each of us has been redeemed and made alive for Christ. The Holy Spirit has called us to be His own. He has a purpose for us that goes far beyond just being focused on our own personal growth and our own well-being. The Holy Spirit has called us to be living, serving, and giving members of the Holy Christian Church. St. Peter describes it as follows. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, 
offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Christ lives in us. Each of us has been called by the gospel to be a subsequent proclaimer of God's gospel in the situations in which we find ourselves. The Jews prided themselves on being children of Abraham. But Jesus reminded them that He could raise up stones to praise Him. But today, you and I, we are living stones. Declaring the praises of our Heavenly Fathers, we serve our families, our employers, our schools, our communities, this congregation, and the world beyond. By birth, we are Gentiles, that is, outsiders, unacceptable ones. But now by faith we are made a part of the new Israel. This is not an earthly nation or some ethnic group seeking success or power, but a house, a family, if you will, which offers up spiritual sacrifices. Christ lives in us. This is the marvelous, miraculous mystery that is explained in God's Gospel. Christ lives in us that we might have eternal life. Christ lives in us to remind us just how much our loving Lord cares for everyone, and especially for believers, those in His house, His family of faith. By that faith, our lives are changed and redirected. By that faith, we live changed lives because of God's great, great love for us. God tells us through Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Christ lives in us that we might honor Him with our lives. This is a divine mystery that we believe and we confess by grace through faith. And it is also our glorious hope. Notice, if you will, in the epistle lesson, the great joy that the Apostle Paul had in being a servant of the Lord, especially in verses 23 and 25. Even in intense suffering, Paul found great joy in freely proclaiming God's gospel. Once having been stoned by a crowd and left for dead, Paul continued onward to encourage the churches of Asia Minor. In spite of all the obstacles he faced, all the persecutions he endured, Paul was excited to proclaim the deep, profound, powerful mystery. Christ lives in you. This was the message of God's saving gospel that all people needed to hear in order to be saved. Paul used God's word to teach and to encourage everyone that he encountered, everyone who would listen. He informed them using God's wisdom, not man's wisdom. And so these Gentiles and many others heard the gospel through Paul, through other apostles, and through those that they subsequently trained and appointed to carry on this work of proclaiming Christ. And when and where he willed it, the Holy Spirit worked faith in the hearts of these Gentiles, just as he had for many of the Jews. They believed. There was only one condition for these new believers to enjoy eternity, and it's this. 
Just like it is for us, these Gentile converts were to hold fast to God's Word and to stand firm in the faith. Something we cannot do alone, but only by the indwelling of Christ. Only by the residence of the Holy Spirit. Over the generations, nothing has changed. As believers also saved by God's grace, we will always want to hold fast to God's Word. We will always want to stand firm in the Christian faith as it is revealed to us in the Scriptures. It seems all around us today there are many misconceptions and lots of competing voices concerning the teachings of what God's Word really says. Our modern era tries to corrupt the true meaning of Scripture so that man's will prevails and not God's. Sin is often defined or explained away as a sickness or a disease something for which modern medicine either has or will soon have the cure. All kinds of immorality are excused because, well, everyone is doing it, or because there's a belief that those who were informed by God in an earlier age were somehow less enlightened than those who ignore Him today. God's gospel gets trampled under the feet of deniers and rejecters of Christ, just as has happened in every age and in various quarters. But these are the continuing end times that the Lord warns us about. Paul wrote to Timothy, one of those he trained, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. But God's Word is still God's Word. Man cannot destroy the truth of God's Gospel. At times we may find ourselves trapped by depression and discouragement and even despair. After all, day by day the news only seems to get worse and worse and then worse still. Everything seems to be collapsing around us all at once. Experts will tell us one thing one day only to have something completely different take place the next. But our ongoing moments of doom, they come about because we have put far too much hope and confidence in the things of this life. Our hearts are simply in the wrong place. Jesus told His listeners, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. You have real treasures. Forgiveness. Salvation. Life eternal. Rejoice. Christ lives in us. This marvelous, miraculous mystery is truly a glorious hope in a hopeless world. God's word and promises will never fail you. Everything else around us will fail, but not God's Word. His Word is the solid foundation upon which we base our glorious hope. The author of Hebrews wrote, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary, behind the curtain, where Jesus who went before us has entered on our behalf. God's gospel hope is our glorious hope an anchor for the soul firm and secure. 
And so we can come confidently and boldly before God's throne of grace. Christ, our perfect high priest, has paid for our sins and for the sins of the whole world. We know the glorious riches of this mystery and the hope of glory. Heaven is our home, now and forever. Who can truly, fully understand the mind of God then? Sin is alive in each and every one of us. But now Christ is even more alive and well in each of us. And Christ is far, far greater and much more powerful than anything else in all of creation. It is a divine mystery that Christ would dwell in us and for us. But now this marvelous, miraculous mystery is also our glorious hope. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, Paul wrote, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Christ lives in us. Christ lives in every believer. Christ lives in you. It is a divine mystery of glorious proportions. It is also our glorious hope of divine origin. This is the simple yet powerful and saving truth of the Gospel for us and for all creation. For us and for our salvation. In His holy name. Amen. Amen.